Central New York, and hello, hockey fans all across the internet, and welcome to 315 Hockey Live, brought to you by 315hockey.com and powered by My Little Falls. I'm your host, Scott Kinville. We got a very fun show lined up for you tonight. Before I bring our guests in, though, of course, I'm going to bring in my co-hosts, uh, the, the guys that helped me make this, this crazy show go around. First of all, sitting to my right, the madman and the production panel over there, Mr. Dave the Save Warner. How are you, pal? I'm doing great. Are you? Body's healing after all that shoveling today. Well, you know what? You look pretty good for doing all that shoveling. <laughs> yeah, okay. I was, I was half expecting to have to drag you in here. Oh, man. I'm tired. <laughs> I bet you are. Yeah. That was some heavy stuff. Yeah, well, you know what? Upstate New York, March. Yeah, yeah. yeah so, yeah. we expect. Right? Yeah, no, I don't want this. I'm, I'm done with it. Oh, come on. <laughs> yeah, I'm done with it. Uh, and coming to us live via satellite, if you will, uh, he's in his little studio himself, Mr. Jordan Brockway. Jordan, what's going on? Nothing much, just um, waiting for hockey. Well, we got a huge weekend coming up. Yeah, we do. It's, I can't I can't wait. I, I'm going to miss this so much when it's all over. You know, I, I really am. You know, we say it's yeah. a grind and all that, but you know what? Like two days after it's all over, we're like, oh, I want next season to start already. Yep, that's always how it goes. <laughs> exactly, exactly. All right, so I want to bring our guest in. You know, the 315 area code, we uh, we have all these hockey teams here, but you know, we have all kinds of 315 natives, personalities, if you will, all over the hockey world. And I'm going to bring one of those uh, natives in. Uh, he's out in Wisconsin right now, but he's originally from Utica, New York. He is the play-by-play voice of the University of Wisconsin-Eau Claire Blue Golds. He is Mr. Scott Montesano. Scott, how you doing? Uh, doing outstanding, and uh, to describe me as a personality, my wife would give you a big thumbs up on that. Uh, per- personality is an interesting way of putting it. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, I've been following your Twitter account like I was telling you. I'm like, this guy would be ideal to come on this show. Well, I, I appreciate it. Uh, you know, li- life's about having fun. I always tell everybody, it's uh, you know, with the job I get to do and, and what have you, it's I'm living in a candy store uh, every single day of my life. And, hey, try to share the candy with everybody else. You know, that's a great way to put it. I, I like that. I got to remember that. <laughs> candy. <laughs> you know, look at candy. Yeah. Now you're making me hungry. But yeah. anyways, uh, so, Scott, you're from, you You grew up in Utica, New York. Um, so before we get into the hockey teams in Utica, tell us, how did you get into broadcasting and how did you get to where you are right now? Well, it's, it's a great question. And the, the short answer is when I was about 12 and 13 years of age, I realized I'm too fat and too slow to make a career out of this. Uh, but I like to talk. And maybe there's a way I can stay involved in sports by talking. Uh, but in reality, you know, growing up, uh, I had a family that was very big into sports. My, my, my father uh, had played college baseball at Utica College, uh, still played in the old Muni softball leagues when I was really young. Uh, my mom's side of the family were very big Clinton Comet fans uh, growing up. And they're the ones that got me into going to games. Uh, my mother's side, uh, my, you know, my father never wanted to go to the hockey games. He wasn't much of a hockey fan, so it would be my mom or my uncle that would bring me to hockey games. And eventually my dad's taking me to Utica Blue Sox games as I was growing up. So I developed this passion for sports and developed a passion for local sports. And then as time went on, you start paying attention to the broadcasters. And again, it was right around the time I was 12, 13 years of age. I said, I think I really want to do this. And I know the exact guy that kind of, got me excited about it. 
uh, a name probably forgotten by most people in our area. He did the games for the Utica Blizzard for their first year. Stu Paul. Yeah. Uh, Stu Paul sounded like he was having a hell of a time doing the games. Uh, you know, calling the exploits of the late Mark Green and uh, a hockey team that was otherwise pretty forgettable. Uh, I, I loved it. And then as time went on, friends are saying, hey, you've got a decent sounding voice. And eventually I go off to college, uh, to Marist College in Poughkeepsie, New York. And then by some act of God or whatever, I ended up in the Midwest and I haven't been able to leave ever since. <laughs> that is awesome because, yeah, you do all the, the athletics, right, for all the sports at, uh, at uh, Wisconsin-Eau Claire? Yeah, but it's, it's been one of the, the the best gigs I've ever had, and I feel really blessed uh, to be the, the play-by-play announcer for a state institution. Uh, originally came out of the Midwest. Uh, God, it's been almost 15 years uh, calling games in the North American Hockey League in Fargo, North Dakota, and I've got stories of <laughs> our down and the brakes catching fire and bounce checks. I uh, got all those, uh, but kicked around like an old coffee can. I worked in the USHL in Des Moines. Uh, originally came to Eau Claire to call their minor league baseball teams games for a number of years. I spent some time in Maine, spent some time in Vermont, uh, spent some time in Michigan, but uh, Eau Claire has become really the, the second home for me, and I, I do a gallivant down to St. Louis in the summers to call three months of minor league baseball there as well. Uh, people wow. say, how does that work with a wife and two kids? And I say, work. They're the ones They're the ones telling me to get the hell out of that <laughs> for three months. <laughs> hey, at least they're honest about it, right? <laughs> But yeah, you know, but honestly, the, the in the whole opportunity with the university came out of a really a out of pure dumb luck. Uh, there's a whole other story involved and what have you. But I was pretty close to leaving the area. Another opportunity had never really formed. Uh, again, we were close to leaving after having moved back here for three years, and then about six days before the start of the 2017 football season. The athletic director, Dan Schumacher, and I, I know he laughs when I say this, he, you speak of Twitter, he slid into my DMs on Twitter, <laughs> and he uh, reached out and said, hey, I want to give me a call. I want to talk to you about something. And I'm like, what the hell does he want to talk to me about? And it turned out they'd had a play-by-play broadcaster fall through. The longtime announcer for the university for some 30 years had been a mentor of me when I first moved to town back in the mid 2000s. And he recommended me to the athletic director and they said, Hey, you know what? We're in a pinch. All right. We don't care if you're good at all. We just need somebody. And it was, it was a, it was a tryout for a few weeks for football. And thank God uh, they, they liked enough of it that they've kept me on board to do the football and the basketball and the hockey. And we've done some softball and, if they asked me to do volleyball or track and field or anything, heck, if they asked me to do wrestling, I would do anything they want me to do because I feel blessed uh, to have this position. You know, that's got to be really interesting because, I mean, it, it keeps things fresh and new when you're constantly going from sport to sport. Uh, absolutely. And, it, you know, again, a lot of my background before this was doing an entire hockey season in the North American League or the USHL where you're playing 
you know, you're following a team every single game. Uh, obviously, with baseball, I do that with the team I call games for in the summer. So outside of the football team, I kind of parachute in. I'll do about a third of the hockey team's games, a third of the men's games for basketball, a third of the women's basketball games. We'll sprinkle in some women's hockey. So you're kind of moving around uh, doing it. But the thing I, I like about it is, yeah, it does keep things fresh. And you know, I, one of the big reasons I love this position is the players and the coaches are just so appreciative of the coverage that I do. And deep down, I, I don't want to let them, I don't want them to know I do this for free. Yeah. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. But they, they, they are so appreciative and, and so thankful uh, for, I've never felt so appreciated <laughs> in my entire, uh, my entire career. So, you know, one day I'll be doing men's basketball, the next day be doing hockey or women's basketball. And if, I feel like I've been with those teams every step of the way. Yeah, you know, it's interesting you say that because, like, for us, we have our 315hockey.com website, which we cover Central New York, all levels of hockey. And we cover uh, Colgate. We cover Hamilton College. We cover Utica University. Uh, we cover Morrisville. And for all every game that we go out to out there, all the, the coaches that we talk to afterwards and, and the sports information directors, they're all so appreciative. And that's just something that's so special about college sports. It's just that, that organic, genuine – Glad that you're there. And it's not something that uh, I, I, I really want to stress this to people. That's not common. Uh, I have been in positions uh, where players and coaches are not. Uh, they are, whether they've got an ego or anything like that. Uh, you know, I, and even recently uh, with some places I've been. Now, most players and coaches are very nice and they're mm -hmm. outstanding and you've got a lot of great stories, but there's a number that aren't. And that's what makes again, like the, the Eau Claire blue golds. And I'm sure it's the same at Utica university. Got to get used to saying university. I know. That. <laughs> uh, they're so, they, they, they just love the coverage and they're so appreciative and it, and it starts from the top down. I'm sure it's the same at those institutions as it is at uh, Eau Claire. Uh, the administration and the coaches uh, treat this like it is big time because uh, to them it is big time. Sure. It, you know, what, whatever, what, what you constitute big time is whatever you want it to be. Uh, if you, if you walk into a situation and say, Oh, it's only X, Y, Z. Well, then you're going to get that sort of product. No. All right. It's if you, if you look at this, like it's a, it's a big time event, then you're going to get that type of effort and that response. And it's going to mean all that much more uh, to you. That's, that's what our women's basketball coach always uh, stresses. This is the big time. Uh, it, there might be two more Roman numeral Roman numerals after that one, this is division three, but who cares? As exactly. long as you care, that's what matters. Exactly. And it, it's the big time to somebody. And that's what you always got to think about. Now, listen, you mentioned great stories. You mentioned bus breaks being on Fargo or on fire. And you mentioned Fargo, North Dakota. I got to hear about this. Yeah, well, the, uh, amongst the many stories, uh, and I, I could fill up a hour-long podcast on stories of Fargo, <laughs> North Dakota. And the subsequent <laughs> fact, as I talk to young people coming into the industry, they're almost insulted at hearing the stories because they go, well, that's not what working in sports is all about. 
I'm like it was back in 2004 uh, and five and six. Uh, so uh, as far as the bus breaking down story, we're in uh, traveling out in Montana. We, the big thing for teams back then was to buy their own bus. Well, you're not buying the bus the Rolling Stones were using to go touring from city to city. All right, you're 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 buying the old Mohawk Valley Comets bus that was used in Slapshot, complete with the holes on the side of it. All right, so we've got this old junker of a bus that our owner, the late Randy Nielsen, God bless him, uh, he buys it all that. We 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 have to go and drag a bus driver from somewhere. We don't even know if the guy had a license, and we're. We're driving 12 hours to Montana and back, Billings and Bozeman and Helena, Montana. And one time we're coming back from Billings and we start smelling something. Something don't don't smell right. Like, what the hell's going on? And the guys in the back of the bus are yelling, hey, it's getting kind of warm back here. (laughs) And we're like, hey, Bussy, what's going on? And Bussy pulls off the side. He opens up the door and he looks back and he goes, oh, the brakes are on fire. No big deal. Well, what are we going to do? He's like, don't worry about it. Goes, grabs the extinguisher, sprays it, gets back on the bus. Mind you, this is before cell phones, so we can't call anybody. He gets back on the bus, starts driving. I turned to Todd Kanat. He's our head coach at the time. And Todd, Todd, by the way, now is a legendary figure in the upper Midwest, a longtime recruiter at Minnesota State. Uh, and one of the greatest hockey guys you'll ever come across. Uh, I go, Todd, what the hell's going on? And Todd goes, if we die tonight, we die tonight. <laughs> God, God bless him. Uh, it, 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 those are some great stories. And again, you know, I, I had, I had three checks bounce in my time there. It was, there was Oof. more than a, more than once where we'd get the check on payday and everybody would stare at each other. And then it was a sprint out the door because the last guy there uh, was not getting their ch- was not getting cash uh, that uh, was not getting cash that week. Uh, again, great stories. I, my first ever plane flight was with that team to Anchorage, Alaska. And uh, I'm, I'm scared to fly it. You know, it's first time flying. And the guys put me in the back of the plane. We take a puddle jumper from Fargo to Denver. To start things off, puddle jumper, and I mean, I think Skippy's out there with his barnstormer goggles, <laughs> serving as the pilot. And the guys put me next to a player named Trevor Briss, great kid out of Rose, I think Roseville, Minnesota. Ended up getting a cup of coffee with the Washington Capitals. Well, Trevor was an odd duck, and kind of going back to what Todd Cannot said, I'm sitting in the back of the plane. Of course, they put the guy scared at the back of the plane where you feel everything. <laughs> And we're, I'm feeling every bit of turbulence. And Trevor turns to me as we're going through some turbulence and wibbling and wobbling. And he goes, Scott, are you afraid to die? And I go, no, I don't want to die. Today. He's like, he's like, well, I think when we die, Trevor say this, I think when we die, we don't feel any pain. And I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> and then, oh, what? I got one other story for you with, with plane travel. So my... My third and final uh, year in Fargo, we we go back to Alaska because, of course, you know there's there's nothing more uh, you know cost savings than to put a stupid team up in Alaska in this league. So we've got to fly to Alaska again. All right. So this time we're we're flying out of Minneapolis to Anchorage, Alaska. It's a six-hour flight. 
No movie, no meal service, nothing. It's just straight six hours. And we're on the same flight at the time with the Minnesota Golden Gophers. This is the, the team Kyle Poso was on at the time. Oh, okay. So cool. the Gophers are up in the front. We're in the back, of course. <laughs> yeah, right. Junior A hockey team. <laughs> and we're flying along, no problem. And we're this is a commercial flight, so there's other people on the plane. And as we start to come into Anchorage, we get rot with turbulence. Right down to the fact that we're, we're starting to go down. And you're up and down and swaying, and, and the, the stewardesses are giving the sign of the cross saying, Hail Mary. <laughs> Here's your mask. <laughs> the person behind me, who I had eavesdropped for the whole six-hour flight, was an Air Force, at least identified as an Air Force pilot. And she goes, more than once, this isn't good, this isn't good. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, crap. All right. I look over our head coach at the time, uh, the late Chad Johnson, one of the a great hockey guy. All right, great, great one-liners, great banquet speaker, Chad Johnson. Number of jokes that I cannot share here. Uh, <laughs> oh, no, come on! But Chad come on. Johnson was what you envisioned, and he was an old minor league hockey player in the '80s and the '90s, so he had that gruff look. He's throwing up. All right. <laughs> So, and he, you could, I think I saw, I think I saw fear in his eyes for the only time up and down. Finally, there was a moment where I swear we were nosediving and I, in a moment of clarity, I think to myself, ah, shoot, this is going to be on the national news. The golden golfers perish in a fiery plane crash. <laughs> Then in a small blurb in the Fargo paper, there'll be Fargo Morehead Jets forfeit game. They're a no show. <laughs> go, we're, we're about to die in a fiery plane crash, and we're not even going to get national sympathy. Those damn golden gophers. <laughs> well, hey, Scott, at least the brakes weren't on fire. Now that's, <laughs> for all we know, they were. <laughs> Oh, that's great. That is great. Uh, so growing up in Utica, uh, we talked earlier, your first team was the Devils that you yep, got to go uh, see. I went, yep, first team was the Utica Devils. Uh, I, I don't remember much of the game, but I remember it was a Girl Scout night uh, and through family and whatnot. I was brought to a game. It was in February of 88, so towards the end of their first season, and they played the Hershey Bears. And – I was six years old at the time. Don't remember anything about the game except I think I was up in like 204 and kept asking my mother, who was enjoying quite a few Utica clubs, I've come to learn, <laughs> uh, kept asking her questions and she was getting annoyed at me asking all these questions, uh, maybe because of the Utica clubs. My father no help because he doesn't know hockey uh, at the time, but apparently I loved it. And, uh, was hooked ever since. Well, was it Utica Club or Matt's? Because they were still making that back then, too. I don't know. She ah. was drinking something cheap. <laughs> yeah. By the way, shout out to Utica Club, which I do, you know, behind me here in my man cave, I've got a whole shrine to Utica stuff. I do, when I come back uh, home, I always grab a couple cases of Utica Club because, you know, they, they, they don't allow Utica Club to be sold in Wisconsin. That's foreign beer out this way. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to ask you if you could maybe get that out there because I know they are expanding a little bit in the Northeast. I, I could get I could get Utica Club products and especially the root beer in Iowa of all places. Hmm. 
when I lived there. But yeah, once you get into Wisconsin, no, oh, you can't get you. They they won't allow that stuff in this state. <laughs> well, you, you can't compete with all the ones in Milwaukee. That's you know you no. can't have that. <laughs> Uh, so you were six years old when you went to the Devils game, but of course, after the Devils left in 1993, there was a slew of teams that came through town, uh, starting with the Utica Bulldogs, who were here for one, um, well, let's just say forgetful season. <laughs> and then we talked about the Blizzard, and then of course, it, it all ended with the Mohawk Valley Prowlers. So uh, I know you got a couple of good stories from going to some of those games. Yeah, but it's kind of fun too. You know, I really starting with the second year of the Devils is when my memories start kicking in, and I. I remember listening uh, to the great Jim Jackson yeah. call a game at the end of the season against Rochester that they had to win in overtime, and then they made the playoffs before getting trounced by the the Hershey Bears, uh, all that stuff. I remember being at those last Devil games uh, against uh, the Rochester Americans, uh, losing in overtime and all that, and then the, the Bulldogs and the Blizzard. My high school girlfriend was the mascot. Uh, snowball. <laughs> I always That's remember right. Snowball. That's right. Uh, the blizzard uh, of the blizzard. My, convinced my father, by the way, when the blizzard were in town, to drive six hours to Dayton, Ohio, to watch them play the, the Dayton Bandits. No kidding. Uh, because I, for whatever reason, I kept joking with my father and my mother, I want to go to Thunder Bay. Oh. And they figured, oh, we'll just take them to Dayton instead. Joke's on them, though. I got to go to Thunder Bay a bunch of times working in the North Woods League. Hey, there not, you go. Not not as great as I thought it was. Yeah. Uh, Thunder Bay. Uh, but, yeah, then, the you know, we obviously had the, the one year where there wasn't hockey uh, in the area. Right. You know, when saw some Syracuse crunch games and all that. And then when the Prowlers came back in, you know, that's when I, I got season tickets. You know, the thing that my parents – got me season tickets to go to the games and remember those games. And the second year I was actually an intern uh, oh, wow. for the, for the prowlers. Uh, my intern duties were began and ended at running the chuck puck stand. Uh, <laughs> they didn't really trust a high school to do much of, of anything, but I learned an awful lot. I can't re I don't remember anybody on that staff except for the broadcaster, uh, Kalinowski, who was really good, but I don't remember anything, but if it wasn't nailed down, Scott took it <laughs> that, that year, including a uh, a Patrick Charbonneau Mohawk Valley Prowlers jersey that I have. Oh, nice! Uh, behind me, by the way, uh, you know, somewhere in the in the back room there. So yeah, if it wasn't nailed down, Scott took it <laughs> that year, <laughs> and I took a lot of things and moved on uh, with that. Uh, I remember. Uh, with the Prowlers, uh, the, there was a playoff game. They won in overtime. Tim Harris scored, beat the Missouri River Otters uh, for, for that. I remember listening to those games. And then, of course, you had their third year where the money ran out yeah, <laughs> for the, for the Prowlers. The and uh, really one of the, that was my first year in college. So I was still coming back home to watch games and all of that. And, uh, of course, the team ran out of money and, you had all the people were leaving left and right. And then finally you had the scab game, which was on a Sunday. Uh, I remember walking into the game by the players uh, who were not being paid to walk in, watch the scab game, them get their rear ends handed to them. And then they played. And I don't know if you remember this. They played. They, they, they somehow survived a week with the scab players. Yep. They played one more game uh, the following week, lost that as well, you know, 
guys like Kuna Briggs and Al Rooney. Uh, I'll tell you an Al Rooney story in a moment, by the way. And I remember leaving the arena after they played that, you know, the, the, the second scab game or whatever. And Tom Coyne, the PA announcer, pretty much thanked everybody for their years of support of hockey because we all left knowing that was it. Right. And sure enough, that was it uh, for, for professional hockey. And, of course, Utica College came in. But it took Utica College a number of years for there to get traction, and that's a whole other story because there was people like me, and I hesitate to say this because I work at a Division three institution. We didn't respect it at the time what Division right. three athletics were, and that's a whole other thing. You got to think of what D3 athletics were in, in in our area at that time. Nobody went. Uh, Hamilton College had a quick run in basketball, but uh, you know, people didn't go. So when people were leaving, they were like, that's it for hockey uh, in the area. And you talk to the old timers, nobody ever thought it was going to come back. Right. Uh, your your best hope was that Utica College would build up and maybe go Division One or something like that, but nobody ever thought that uh, the auditorium would host a, a professional hockey team ever again. As we all left on a on a Sunday uh, after they, you know, no name guys got their rear ends handed to them in another <laughs> replacement player game. You know, it's it's so funny because. About what was it about a year or so ago, Dave? Wasn't it? on our other show, Marty's Legal Stick? We had Mark Coterry come on, who used mm -hmm. to play for the Prowlers, and boy, did he have some great stories about playing under Dave the Hammer Schultz. Mm -hmm. So, uh, some interesting power play setups. Let's just put it this way. <laughs> good, good time, uh, you know. Since you know, it's a great podcast. I can I can tell you two stories here. This I I love doing this. If I get a chance, bring them on. <laughs> I sh I should have had a Utica club with me. I as I said, when I when I tell some of these stories. The people that are just starting off in sports, they they get they they blush because they don't they don't quite understand. This is what it was uh, back then. But uh, story about Dave Schultz that I'm not afraid to talk about. So this is after my first year in Fargo, and it seems like the Elmira Jackals job had opened up. You know the of the ECHL yep. and Dave Schultz is there, so I I put my stuff in. And Dave Schultz calls me up and says, hey, we want you to come down and interview. So I set it up to go to Elmira to meet Dave Schultz. All right. Yeah, cool. Let's, let's move up. Let's go to the ECHL. Let's make this thing happen, Scott. I walk in the I walk in the arena. And I think at the time it was still called Coach USA Center. And I walk in and Dave Schultz intercepts me at the front door and says, here, turn around. We'll go across the street. <laughs> and I'm like, well, this isn't this isn't right. What the hell? <laughs> takes me to some cheap deli in downtown Elmira. And he's talking to me about, he's, he's selling, he's selling, he's selling me on the Elmira Jackals. I'm like, all right. He was like, all right, fine. Well, you got me to do I have to sell you on anything. He's like, ah, you know, he's, he's all excited. And I go, all right. He's, he's telling me about uh, the team and what they do. And I've been through enough interviews at that point to think, Oh, well, a job offer is going to be coming here. <laughs> we get to the end of it. And he, walks me back towards the arena and he's like, well, here, I'll, I'll, I'll take you to the office. I'm like, all right. And we walk into the office and the first door is the current broadcaster at the time. <laughs> and I look in and the broadcaster looks out at me and Dave Schultz scurries me right by him and goes, here, don't talk too loud. I don't want him to know. 
<laughs> like, what the hell? Like, you haven't even fired the guy. And uh, we get done with the we get done with the conversation, and it's like a date that doesn't end with a kiss. Like, I, no, I turn around, there's no job off or anything. I leave, and sure enough, the broadcaster that was sitting in that room was still their broadcaster for two more years. So I've always said, I don't know what the hell Dave Schultz was smoking or anything like that. You know, I don't know what he was thinking, but he, he, he to this day owes me about uh, $500 for my time that day. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, the Al Rooney story is this. So Al Rooney, it, it's funny how these names pop up. So for a couple of years here in uh, the Chippewa Valley, uh, we got a North American Hockey League team that plays in nearby Chippewa Falls. They play a recreational rink uh, here in town as opposed to these arenas that other places play at. So this team comes to town and they go, hey, I'll call the games. Sure enough, you know, the owner says, yeah, we'll get you. We'll call the games. So I go and I start call. I'm going to call the games. The head coach of the team for the first three months they were in town was Al Rooney. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and sure enough, I mean, I, I look, it's like, this can't be the same Al Rooney. Well, God bless EliteProspects.com and HockeyDB. Yeah. It is the same Al Rooney. So I'm sitting there and I'm I'm like, well, I got to tell Al, I, I got to ask Al Rooney about this. And I sit down and I go, Al, you know, I'm from Utica. You know, I was at that game. And Al, Al looks at me sheepishly and he goes, I don't remember anything and I don't ever want to talk about that ever again. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose if you get lit up for 18 goals, well, you don't want to talk about that. Either. You know, <laughs> but you know, he could have had a good sense of humor about it anyway, right? I mean, no, he, and he no. only lasted with us. He only lasted with us for about three months. Yeah. Uh, which, which, no, nobody in this area was too sad to see him go. Unfortunately, the guy who replaced him, a guy by the name of Carter Foguth, was a he was. Let's put it this way. I still have great Carter stories. Carter was a hell of a great guy uh, coaching that team. It was unfortunate when uh, when he got shown the door uh, with the team. But uh, if if Al had stuck, we would not have had uh, we would not have had Carter. Well, no. It's, <laughs> <laughs> so looking back on those days from the Devils all the way through the Prowlers, who were some of your favorite players from back then? God, you know, it, it, it's it's. You just kind of remember the names there. As I mentioned, the, the the late Mark Green stands out because of that huge season he had. You remember the goalies. I remember a, a Mike Torshia scored a yes. goal for the Flowers. He was a goalie, scored a goal at the at the BC Iceman uh, there. Uh, God, I remember BC had some goalie that we could never beat. Forget that. Yeah, um, what was his name? I, it's odd. You remember some of the visiting guys? Uh, yeah. I think it was. I think it was Port Huron. Their goalie was Ole uh, Soderstrom or some Swedish name, and he had the old pads. All right, which were you know early eighty pads. All right, that were all brown and whatnot. So yep. he easily stood out out there. Uh, names like Bruno Villanueva and as I said, Tim Harris. Uh, you had some great names, and it's kind of fun here. Oh, oh, yeah, you yeah. get yourself a few brawls there. Yeah. Uh, Serge Robert. Yes. Uh, so you get those, and those were great fights. Uh, I, 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 as a side note, uh, our head coach uh, with UWO Claire is a guy by the name of Matt Lowen, and proudly up in his office, because he played for them for a year, and I think a year and a half, 
He's got a Madison Monsters jersey that has really? a pinstripe jersey of the Madison Monsters. Nice. Uh, he remembers Utica, uh, Matt Lowen, because uh, a lot of players remember Utica, uh, for better or worse, uh, <laughs> for, for all that. So it's, it, you remember those names, and those are the names when you're a teenager, and this is why I go back to it, it's big time to somebody. To me, because I, I never, I, I never, I have a, I'm a huge New York Jets fan and New York Yankees fan at the big time Excellent. level. All right. But I don't have an NHL team. I don't have an NBA team. Uh, and it's not because I don't love those sports. I love all sports. All right. I'm passionate about every single one of them. I've gotten into indoor <laughs> soccer in the last four years. All right. Tommy Tanner is sucking more of my money. All right. Just another reason for me to spend money on things in Utica, but, uh, and shout out to my, to my boy, Ray, uh, Ray Biggs, who got that gig, awesome. uh, with them. Uh, he is awesome. He really keeping is. Keeping the local flame going. Uh, but I never had an NHL team. I, maybe it would have developed with the New Jersey devils. Uh, but maybe that my bitterness, you know, when they moved out of town. Right. So, these guys were big time to me. Uh, I, if one of these teams had ever made a deep playoff run and won a Colonial Cup or anything like that, that would have been humongous. And I'll say this. I've been blessed to be a part of some teams that have won championships uh, at, in these minor leagues. And uh, I'll put it this way. When you wake up the following morning with a slight hangover, it doesn't matter whether you won the Stanley Cup or you just won some piece of tin in some low-level league. It all feels the same. Exactly. It still feels great. It's, a, yeah. it's the most welcome hangover you'll ever have. It, it hurts very, very good. Uh <laughs> My wife has some very incriminating photos that hang in a collage in my man cave of when the Eau Claire Express Northwoods League team won its championship here. Uh, no rules that night. There were there were there were no there were no rules. Well, and how much was law enforcement involved with that? I think they were drinking with us. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome. <laughs> uh, you know, and, and it's funny, too, because, you know, we mentioned when the Pioneers came in. And to be honest with you, when the Pioneers came in, and like you said, it took a little while to build that up. But I truly believe that what they've done now with the Adirondack Bank Center, what we always knew was the Utica Memorial Auditorium, uh, getting it all redone and just looking as good as it is right now. I don't think that happens without the Pioneers doing what they did. So, you know, as what Mr. Ash did with that building is incredible in his group. It's just amazing. But it all started with the Pioneers. And then, of course, the Comets come to town. Uh -huh. And, you know, you mentioned about the Devils because, I mean, the, the Comets were the, the, the Vancouver Canucks affiliate for was eight seasons, I think it was. Uh -huh. And you're right when you mentioned that about the Devils because there are still people here that are very bitter about how that whole thing ended in Utica back in 93. And it took people a little bit to come around to that new affiliation back with the Devils again. Yeah, absolutely. No, I, I didn't feel that bitter. You know, I was happy to have a team, and it seemed ever since uh, we got an American Hockey League team to town, for whatever reason, in the back of my mind, I always had resigned myself to the fact that Devils were coming back. And my only fear was is that Devil affiliates, for lack of a better term, had stunk <laughs> for a number of years. <laughs> Thankfully, that's that's not the case now, and I think there's a lot that goes goes into that, uh, that they've been putting a very competitive product and a very entertaining product that plays a very physical but high-flying brand of hockey. 
uh, to town as opposed to the, especially when they were in Albany as the Albany Devils for a few years, you'd sleep when they'd come to Utica. It was boring as heck. Exactly. And, and God and God bless us. If, if Albany took a 1-0 lead, the game was over. They played the, the, the hockey equivalent of the four quarters at that point. But you're right with, with the pioneers. And, and I, you know, the thing is, you know, and, and you know, I grew up in the 90s and I went to college. And the, the, the sad thing is that there was really this black hole uh, for sports for so long in our area and kind of a lack of, of, of pride. For people like me, you know, I had to leave the area uh, to work in my industry. Whereas when I was growing up, I wanted nothing more than to be the play-by-play voice for the Utica Blue Sox and for whatever team we'd have uh, for, for hockey. And when we lost all of it, and I was probably even more heartbroken with the loss of the Utica Blue Sox because baseball yeah. probably is a little higher up for me, but I, I absolutely love hockey. So nobody uh, – I'm not one of these people that loves one sport and passes off the others. So, you know, I – Sports comes first, my wife comes second, and she'd be the first one to say that. Uh, it's so true, though. It's the same thing at my house. <laughs> but I had to leave. I had to leave the. I had to leave the area uh, to be to do what I wanted to do. Uh, now it's it's opened up great doors for me and great friends in the Midwest and, and finding a second home here in uh, in Eau Claire has been outstanding. Found my wife, by the way, who is a native of Rome, New York. Oh. And I didn't know that till our second date. Really? <laughs> so that we met in Fargo, North Dakota. So I went all the way to the North Dakota to find me a wow. good uh, a good Mohawk Valley girl, uh, which is great. What a small uh, world. <laughs> it's it, 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 it all it all lines up. All right. Uh by the way, her, her she's related to uh, the CN Fracos and Archie oh, CN Fraco okay. and the CN Fraco subs, and that's a whole other story uh, for for another day. Uh, unfortunately, she unfortunately she's not passing that baseball bloodline down to our son. I've got to, <laughs> I, I got I got to, I got to get him going myself uh, for that. But the the thing the pioneers did because they weren't going to go anywhere is that they were able to withstand those first few years where there'd be just a few hundred people in the stands. And, you know, there weren't people like me that were coming back to town to go to those games because you just really weren't getting all worked up to see them play Wentworth and Salvage. Right. You really weren't. All right. People didn't know who they were. And But I'll tell you when it began to turn for me. About 2010 or so, and they started to get competitive. And it started to mean something. They weren't losing games 6 nothing anymore. And then they started playing playoff games. And I started to watch them online. I was like, you know, I mean, let, me, let me see the old auditorium. I can show my wife. Look at that. Look at the stupid silhouettes yeah. on the wall. All right. Hey, why is it red, yellow, and blue? I don't know. Somebody in a psychedelic haze in the 1970s painted it. Look at it, though. That, that's a building, and that's You can still smell the beer that was spilled in 72. Still it's there. outstanding. All right. And you still smell it. I like the fact they haven't. No, they, they didn't change that. Able, Ash hasn't taken the stink out. That's good. Don't take the stink out. I think they somehow came up with stale beer air fresheners. <laughs> <laughs> so outstanding. I'm like, so I got, I'm like, this is kind of cool. And I'm watching it. And, you know, I'm, I'm like, you know, it's, it's a lower level of hockey than even I was doing at the time. But I was like, there's something brewing here. And they start to have the teddy bear toss. And yeah, people were going to the games for free. But having worked in sports, I'll tell you this, and having run teams and been a general manager and a VP of sales, 
just because you give people tickets doesn't mean they're going to come. Right. So people were going to the games. And then it leads into all the rumors you started to hear. And, and working in the USHL, I was hearing those rumors, oddly enough, of, boy, Utica's going to get a team. I'm like, oh, there's no – like, you know, typical Utica, New York person here. You, you yeah. think the worst and then you celebrate the best. And lo and behold, it came. And when they made the announcement, it was on a June afternoon. And I watched the live announcement. My, my, again, my wife will joke, you know, I, I, the birth of our kids were great. And I will never change anything for the birth of my two kids. I cried when I saw them announce uh, that team come back because it, it's the connection to the community that I was always missing. Right. Uh, being out in the Midwest. Uh, having that team and and uh, it's been outstanding and I think they've done a great job now going through a generation. Think about that. Uh, team's ten years old. My daughter is. My daughter's always wants to remind me she was born three days after the uh, Comets' first game. So now you've got a whole generation that's come up through and they don't remember the dark days. Right. That's a good thing. I don't right. want them to have to remember the dark days. Now, there's a whole other podcast that we got to get ourselves a baseball team oh, yeah. back in the area. Either that or, and that's a whole, the perfect game league could elevate like the leagues I work in out here in the Midwest, and I think that would work perfectly in the area. But that, that's, a whole other, that's a whole other podcast. Well, you know, it's funny because our studio is here in Little Falls, and, mm -hmm. you know, back in the day, it was the Utica Blue Sox and the Little Falls Mets that were the big rivals in the end. You know, Great ballpark. Great ballpark there in Little Falls. Uh, won a 13-year-old Babe Ruth League championship uh, on that field. <laughs> that's uh, awesome. So I love that field. And and I, by the way, that's not a knock on what the Diamond Dogs have done and what oh, the, no, not at all. The, the new Blue Sox have done. I love the new Blue Sox logo. I've got yeah. a bunch of their stuff around here. It's more about that league. I wish that league would elevate like the Prospect League has right. and the North Woods League has. Stop nickel and diming it. Stop mom and popping it. Uh, run a an actual league. Get up to 60 games. And uh, I think it would do absolute wonders. Uh, my father goes to a bunch of the Blue Sox games, loves the level of play. Yeah, it's uh, excellent. That's, that's there. It's good. I just wish they played more games and you could very well duplicate what's done uh, out this way. I will just tell you that a 28-game home yeah. schedule kills my butt, yeah. all right? <laughs> I'm not so sure about more games. Dave, you can do it. I got faith in you. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, you're, you're so right, you know, in, in going back with the comments. It's hard to believe, actually, that they've been here 10 seasons already because, I mean, it, it's it almost feels like it's flown by. It really it, has. It, it, it really has. And it's and uh, now you got memories. Uh, that, have, that have now seared in. I remember when I was living down in Des Moines, saw the Utica Comets come to play the Iowa Wild and yeah. celebrating. And uh, I, we had our, our, our son at the time was just a couple years old and I'm holding him up by the glass and Brandon DeFazio, the captain of uh, that first year team skates over, probably no doubt going, how the hell is somebody wearing a Utica <laughs> Comet jersey out this way and flips us a puck? Uh which, you know, my best feat of athleticism since I batted 417 as a junior in high school, I caught it with one hand while holding on to my son uh, <laughs> at that. Now, where, was uh, the, where were the cameras for that? 
Yeah, well, yeah, we're, yeah, 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 still yeah, yeah. on SportsCenter all the time. Come on. <laughs> there's, there's enough videos out there of me being a part of weird team videos getting water splashed in my face, but nobody's got a camera on that. Uh, but you have you have that. And, and one of the funny stories I have, I'm very prideful of our of Utica, very prideful of my hometown, which I think is great for this generation because God bless my mother, my father, my grandparents, mostly my mother and father's generation. They really weren't prideful for the area, and, and rightfully so. They, they, there was a lot of bad stuff in the 80s and the 90s and things closing down and what have you. They didn't really have reason for, for being happy about the area, and they're seeing people like me leave and mm-hmm. all that. Uh, which, by the way, my mother will never forgive Rob Esch for never hiring me or anything <laughs> like that. Uh, so if, if Rob Esch ever sees us, don't get around Kathy Montesano, all right? She, <laughs> She'll show you something. Better, better make uh, sure you for, get her picture there for him to keep her out of the odd then. <laughs> for, for, for all that. Uh, it's another aside, by the way, my wife says, you know, and I have never really gone after the job outside, outside of the first year or whatever, and that job was already taken before the team even arrived. Uh, I could never do it. I'm, I'm too close to the case. Right, right. <laughs> if, if, if you will. Uh you know, I'm too close to the case. I'm, I'm too passionate, uh, if uh, if you will. Uh, plus, it would kill me if I came to the area and uh, the Utica Comets hardcore page was ripping me. Uh, I would never, uh, and I don't know if the people in the area would like my style. I am very much a cross between Harry Carey and John Sterling. Oh, that'd uh, be perfect. <laughs> so so if, if, if people want, you know, kind of wacky, off the wall, uh, they, they would love me, but give, give us a little would. example. I'd like to hear a little example. Do a little quick 10 there's, second. There, there, there's, yeah. there's a, I, I use a lot of analogies that <laughs> pop up in the course of a broadcast. Uh, now, again, I keep going off on these tangents. There's a, there's a guy that has gone national uh, for some of his stuff on baseball and what have you. Uh, I don't want to give his name, but people can find him. All right. Oh, right. I know who you're talking about. Uh, yeah, I can't stand the guy. Oh, I think right. he's great. Come oh, on, here we go. Here, here he we stole, go. He stole my shtick. Oh. We're working in the Frontier League in 2015, <laughs> and he's sitting in the visitor press box in Traverse City, working for a team that couldn't even pay him at the time. And he's going, "What do I do? What do I do?" And I go, "Oh, you got to try to be yourself." He's like, "Well, I like what you do there. You got these funny little sayings and all that." I'm like, "Yeah, it's kind of cool." what I do. And you got to find yourself. He stole my yeah. bit, <laughs> but he goes beyond his, st- he, 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 and he's my, making, my, a, I, I, he, he's making a fortune. He, he's not, I know what he's getting paid with the, really? with the MLS team in St. Louis. And I make more. So uh, okay. <laughs> the jokes on him. Then. <laughs> so, the, so, the, so the joke, so the jokes, the jokes on him. Uh, I love to have this go viral, you know, no name announcer rip, <laughs> rips, uh, that guy, yeah, uh, that guy, rips that guy, and you know who I'm talking about. And you know, right. you know who you are. But uh, I, I, the the closest I could say, by the way, that I would be is kind of kind of like what Joe Roberts was when he was with the Comets. So very outgoing, you out, you know, happy go lucky, want to be a part of everything, be out in front of everything. Uh, I, I'm the person when I'm broadcasting, I'm shaking hands right up until pregame. Uh, they'd have to pull me into the press box because I'd be, you know, shaking hands during warmups and whatnot, and you know, with the with the butt out stance along the catwalk that everybody has during warmups. <laughs> All right, 
<laughs> Everybody knows that stance. You lean up and you stick your rear end out. Yeah. Uh, for for that. So it, it's uh, I, at this point, I even forget what I was answering. I'm just talking, <laughs> having a great time. Well, Dave uh, had to go get you all uh, sidetracked. Uh, uh, <laughs> I was just trying to get some of his play by play, just a, a sampling, you know, 15 seconds shtick here. Well, there's I'll tell a, you what, when, when we go to commercial break, you can go on. I'm sure there's got to be something on YouTube. You <laughs> there's, there's stuff. The university's got uh, stuff in the old game highlights. And my Twitter, I put stuff out uh, of game highlights. Uh, but a lot of it is, uh, you know, it's just a, a weird thing that may come to my head. Uh, <laughs> that uh, And then baseball is where I really stand out because in case you can't tell, I like the sound of my own voice. Uh, so... Uh, I tell a lot of stories during the game and, and give a lot of weird opinions on on food and, and stuff of that nature. I, I, our women's basketball team was in an NCAA tournament triple overtime game a couple weeks ago. And somehow or another, I worked in a debate over the fact that, you know, out this way, they love fish fries like we do in uh, upstate New York. And I talked about, well, at lunchtime, if you if you just get the fish sandwich. You don't feel as fat as if you got the whole fish fry. I went through a five-minute discussion with myself because I never work with a color commentator. And I didn't even know what I had done until I went back and listened because I, it's like the scene from old school when Will Ferrell blacks out during the debate scene. I don't know what I say half the time. Uh, That's great. <laughs> Oh boy, yeah, but you're right. I mean, with with the comments, just, I mean that that uh, 2015 run to the Calder Cup final that galvanized this area like you like you couldn't even imagine. Everybody, it was, it was for those two months. That's all you saw was comments blue and green everywhere around here. It was awesome. And I'll course, never forgive my mother, by the way, and my brother. They were at I think it was Game Three, and they had the cup. They brought the yes. Calder Cup out. And my mother and my brother, as well as a bunch of other fans, touched the darn cup. That's the oh. number one rule. You don't touch the cup, folks. Oh, well, there it goes, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's what happened. <laughs> yeah, boy, but then, of course, you know, like last year's team came way out of nowhere. Nobody was expecting that. And, I mean, unfortunately, you know, it ended in the first round, but it, it still it was it was fantastic for the area. And, you know what, this year's team, you know, the people were, you know, kind of, well, they lost, the, you know, their four top scorers. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now they seem to be turning things around. They're in second place, still in the North Division. We're coming down the home stretch, so it's looking good for them to hopefully make the playoffs. I mean, I'll tell you, that North Division is tightening up like crazy right now. Well, absolutely, and I, I think uh, while the matchup on paper doesn't look good against Syracuse from what's gone on this year, there'd be nothing better than a Utica-Syracuse oh. playoff series. Oh, uh, I, I think I think we'd all like that. Uh, you know, I've got a personal connection to the Comets. Uh, Joe Gambardella was uh, with me in Des Moines uh, for two years. Really? Uh, so, so hearing all the great stories and how much people in Utica love him bring, warms my heart. Uh Joe was uh, with us in Des Moines, a guy that barely made the team, uh, a USHL team, barely made the team. All right. He was a healthy scratch most of the time. And then he eventually worked his way up to the fourth line and, and the and players loved him, gave all this great effort and all that. And then, you know, a lot of guys that come and play in the USHL already have a scholarship. He didn't have a scholarship anywhere. And then his second year, he's working his way up, and he's just a grinder out there. And I'll always remember this. There was a game we played just before uh, Christmas, his second and final year with us, 
and he took a skate to the face. Oh, and chewed up it chewed up his face. I think he broke his jaw at the time. Hey, blood all over his blood all over his jersey. Went into the locker room, got stitched up, played the second period. <laughs> wow. That, and well, that, finally, that's a hockey player for you right there. And then finally, and then finally a doctor had to talk some sense into him. And, you know, he ended up going home for a while because he had to recuperate uh, for that. But absolutely loved the guy, and he was great to me. Uh, and it's it's fun to see him pop up. And occasionally I know Patrick Grosso has gotten a cup of coffee with the Comets coming up from Adirondack, and I remember him as well uh, with Des Moines. So, it's one of those cool things that the team I'm rooting for is now guys that I had called and ridden on a bus with. And when they screw up, I yell at them like any good Utican will uh, at their players. And my son very much, you mentioned the playoff series last year and uh, the, the vitriol that, that you had oh. between the two fan bases was, was just, was just naughty and delicious. It's awesome. <laughs> and, I've got my son throwing socks, the TV upset as Rochester's winning the game, and I'm storming out of the living room. But that's what makes a Utica fan great. My wife's always quick to say this. When we go out to games and we come home to watch games around uh, the holiday season, the people will boo and curse. Oh, the cursing is great. We usually get a good seat high up in 204, high up in 203 uh, with those folks. Love them. And they're yelling and they're ticked off about this or that. <laughs> and if the team loses, they'll storm out with about a minute to 90 seconds left in the game. They want they want the comments to know they're disappointed oh, yeah. in the effort. But as they're leaving, the last thing they'll all say is, Bob, Susan, I'll see you next week, right? Oh, yeah. yeah, we'll be back oh, next week. Can't get enough. <laughs> That's it. My wife also points out the very first uh, year the team was in town, I bring her out. I've, I've done nothing but talk up, you know, the – the Utica game, you know, remember I grew up seeing games when there was 2000 people in the stands tops. All right. I said, you got to come out though. The people, they love a good fight and they love a good hockey game. And she comes on, she's watching the game. And uh, while she was born in Rome, she grew up mostly in North Dakota. And uh, her, her fondness is uh UND hockey used to go to all the UND hockey. Oh, that's games. huge out there. Uh, that's where she went to school. And she, She's upstairs right now somewhere. I always, I always joke with her. UND, they play soft hockey, all right? They, they'll push and shove after the whistle. I think she just yelled at me from upstairs. Uh, that's, that's that soft Midwest hockey, North Dakota. I don't care how many national championships they've played. It's a boring brand. But they regardless, can't fight. They can't fight. You know, you know, birdcage courage. Uh, with UND, but uh, the, so wa the, the water buckets coming soon. <laughs> so, so I bring her the the thing she notes after the first couple of games we went to go watch, and now it was the Comets against the Abbotsford Heat, and she says the thing she says this is all she's like I, my I have a splitting headache. I'm like, why do you have a splitting headache? She's like, it was. 2,000 Italians all trying to talk over one another. <laughs> it's like you're at the game. It's like, you know, there was maybe 2,500 people at the game. This is the first season. So they're drawing well, but they're not packing it quite yet. And she's like, my God, they're, they're nobody's yelling or screaming. They're all just in conversational tone, but they're all just talking one over the other. <laughs> uh. Oh, boy. 
I'm like, that's, that's, that's the way we, that's the way we are. The only, the only way you're going to be right is by talking louder than the person next to you. <laughs> that is how we roll. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but, but you know what though, with Joe Gamerdell, I just wanted to wrap up with him real quick. Cause you are so right. So last Sunday after the, they had a Sunday afternoon game, which is a rarity for the comments, but they had the uh, post game skate and the players came back out on the ice. And you know, a lot of the kids were out there and I'm going to tell you, the kids just gravitate towards him. And I think the best part about Joe Gambardella is that you can tell that he is a guy who just truly loves to be there in front of the fans and just just lives the moment, every single moment he's out there. And yeah, it's think, just a fantastic guy. He really yeah, is. I think it goes back to very humble. Uh, as I said, he, he, he came to Des Moines. Uh, he was a tryout player that made the team on a team loaded in a league loaded with guys that would eventually be first, second, third round picks, uh, guys that all already had a scholarship in their back pocket. And I think he just appreciates everything that he's gotten. There's a lot of players that are like that too, uh, that you, that you get. And that's one of the great things. And you know, eventually Joe will move on and read a great story from uh, Ben, uh, I think a year or so ago about his wife being a nurse and, and the, the, all that. So eventually he'll move on somewhere else and he'll be replaced by somebody else that'll uh, get the, the, the fans' hearts. Uh, I think back to Darren Archibald, yeah. uh, who fans loved, and, and his story right. kind of similar. Uh, he also burst onto the scene with that uh, that somersault hit that had that guy <laughs> spinning around like he was a, 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 I think, a twist coming out of the I think he's still going, cream. actually. That's it. <laughs> But uh, th- and that's what makes these teams and, and these memories so great is, you know, I can sit here and remember, uh, you know, a, a guy like the, the Qataris that played for uh, uh, the teams in the mid-90s and Bruno Villanueva and, you know, you know Tim Harris and Mark Green yeah. and Patrick Charbonneau, Mike Torshia and what have you. And these names will be remembered. And uh, I think these players, especially by the time they get into their upper 20s, early 30s, they, they recognize the fact that, I'm going to be remembered uh, by, you know, obviously people in their 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, and so on. But that kid that's 12 years old, 14 years old, this is when their true passion for being a fan that can carry on long after they're done playing really is seared into them. And then it, it is the the whole circle there. You know, as, as we wind this thing down. My, my parents got me into being a sports fan. Huge sports fan. Uh, quick side note on that, by the way, I'm a Jet fan to tick off my father, who is a passionate Giant fan. I made the wrong choice. Uh, the Jets. I I was a uh, I, my father. The only time I never liked my father was when Sundays he'd always watch this team wearing the blue. All right, who were the Giants? He never wanted to play with me. So one day they're playing a team wearing green, the Jets. The Jets win on a Ken O'Brien Al Toon touchdown with 47 <laughs> seconds left. Al, O'Brien Al Toon in the back left corner. Nice. My father's storming around the house upset. I'm happy as can be. Joke's on me. <laughs> 30 years later. All right. Uh, I'm trying to get Green Bay's, you know, leftovers right now with Aaron Rodgers. I'm pretty excited about that. My friends out here in Wisconsin are saying good luck with that. But this is the cool thing. People – it gets passed on. My kids are getting this passion passed on. And it's not just the hockey. and It's not just the sports. But it is what our culture is in, in the Utica area, which I really think the Comets, 
the 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 pioneers in the years just before that coupled with all these other things with the growth and the culinary scene and what have you people have that pride in our community which they should and i i leave you guys with this so we, when we got married it was in 2009 so this is really even before the explosion of things and we had the wedding in utica new york all right uh Quick, by the way, I, I'm a graduate of New Hartford High School, but I always say I'm from Utica. All right. <laughs> Shout out to New Hartford High School. Spartans there you go. all the, the Spartans. way. <laughs> all right. Spartans all the way. Uh, but we bring people out to Utica from the Midwest, and they've heard nothing but all this talk, Scott running his mouth about how great Utica is. To this day, my friends still say they've never had any better chocolate milk than burned dairy chocolate milk. Nothing <laughs> yeah. compares to it. The Utica Brewery Tour is the best brewery tour there is because you get buzzed at the end of that thing. This ain't, you're going you're to get drunk. Uh, so they love that. And to this day, they all still remember every bit of food they ate at Ventura's yes. in East Utica. Uh, which place. is a, which, you know, Ventura's is the official spot of the Montesanos. You know, if there's a wedding or Heaven forbid a funeral, it always be, it always ends at uh, Ventura's uh, there. And they ate greens, they ate chicken riggies, a lot of them all going, well, it's just rigatoni with chicken. And I say, nah, 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 you gotta, you gotta eat them. Yeah, gotta dig a little bit in there. That's so you feel that passion that the area has. And, and the, the comments have allowed me really to share that connection uh, with, uh, with my kids which is great. You know, we're, we've got Italian roots and whatnot, but I always joke with them. I say, I'm raising you more Utican, which uh, again is, uh, we're, we're pessimistic with a smile. We're pessimistic, but we celebrate when something good happens because we're, we're always fearful that the, the other shoe is going to drop. Yeah, <laughs> that's the truth. That is so true. Well, Scott, this has been so much fun. I, I just love, we've had you on here for an hour, and, and it, it flew by. I didn't even realize it. So I did. My goodness, it was uh, <laughs> such a, such a fun talk, man. I really appreciate you coming on. And uh, are you going to make it back to the the area before comet season's over? Or? No, we get, we get back around uh, the holidays for two weeks. Uh, I always my fingers are always crossed for uh, comet home games and for Utica City to have a a home game, which thankfully I was able to see them both uh this uh this year uh if by some chance neither one's home when we get back you know a few years ago we we flew back out for a uh a, a spring break trip so we we always try to get uh, a game in a a game in a season it's it's too bad they don't come out uh, this way anymore play milwaukee and the and the such but uh for people back home you'd you'd much rather see them play you know springfield and scranton and syracuse than to see them play iowa and chicago and milwaukee I, you'd be surprised, though. People are kind of clamoring for a little bit of a change, but that's a whole other story for a whole other time. So that's. A, <laughs> but I'll tell you what. Next time you are in town, please let me know, and we'll meet up at a comments game because that would be awesome. So sounds good. It's been fun to to meet some of these people on uh, on Twitter, by the way. And they would, uh, you know, I, I met the reporter Ben this last year. He, ben he, Renault, he had to guy. meet me too, just, just like you. They, they they're trying to figure out why this guy won't let Utica die. <laughs> he, he lives out of Wisconsin. <laughs> But it's great to have the exposure all across the country. It's awesome. So I, I love it. I'm trying to keep that flame for the the hometown, uh, the hometown going. And, uh, and and again, shout out to my college, Marist College. That's uh, right. We were one win away from the NCAA tournament this year, uh, which I was hoping they'd make. So I 
could stop answering the question out this way, where's Marist and is that an accredited <laughs> university? It very much is. Uh, you know, we're very prideful of our school. <laughs> it's great. Uh, but thank you so much for spending all this time with us. And uh, I'll, I'll definitely stay in touch. And, hey, you know what? Go Utica. And uh, it, it's been a great time. Have a good one, guys. All right. Thanks, Scott. Appreciate it. All right. Scott Montesano. That was awesome. That really was. That, that was so fun. I love it. Jordan, we have still got some hockey to talk about. But first, I need to get some water because of all this talk <laughs> we've been doing here. So we're going to take a quick commercial break. And when we come back, we're going to go over some college hockey. So stick with us. Visit My Little Falls and stay connected with the latest news, information, and events in the city and the area. Our mission is to generate interest in the community and connect residents in a more meaningful way by facilitating deeper conversations about how these stories will shape the future of the Mohawk Valley. Join thousands of weekly visitors who stay up to date with feature stories, interviews, videos, our event calendar, and print publication, the Mohawk Valley Express. It's about timely local news, for the community, keeping citizens informed about important issues, telling about the people who live and work here, and giving locally owned businesses the opportunity to reach a very targeted audience of locals and tourists alike. It's a whole new form of media-rich content developed specifically for today's mobile lifestyle and listeners. You can download our iOS app in the iTunes Store, listen to our country music streaming radio station, or sign up for a weekly newsletter. Stop by today at MyFunFalls.com. You'll be glad you did. All right, and we're back. And, Jordan, like I said, we have got a huge, huge weekend of college hockey coming up. So what do we say we get right to it? All right. All right. So, and by the way, if you're watching here, if you want to get a hold of Scott or check out his Twitter page, Go to Scott, ask Scott Montesano at, right there. It, it's awesome. It, it really is. He, he truly does keep Utica alive out in the Midwest. So, so cool. All right. So, let's see. Let's start with Hamilton College. So, the number six Hamilton College women are in the Division Three Final Four. Uh, they beat Nazareth 3-1 to one at home last Wednesday night, and then they went out to Adrian, Michigan, and beat the fifth-ranked Bulldogs 2 to nothing. So, they are on a roll. Uh, let's see. This Friday night, they get a rematch with number three, Amherst, uh, and that is in the national tournament semifinals. Uh, they lost to Amherst in the NESCAC tournament final, uh, five to nothing a couple weeks ago. A uh, little bit of background there. Jordan, what do we got for some numbers? So Hamilton, uh, Hamilton women's hockey comes in at the number six. They're 22-5-2 now. And they're rolling with a 25-3-0 record. And they're also the NASCAT champs. The game will be in Amherst. And this will be the fir- this will be the fourth meeting between the two teams. With Hamilton being one and two, winning one game with a, with a score of two to zero, and then losing four to zero and five to zero. Yeah, because they opened up the season against each other actually with two games out in Amherst. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was see way back in November. And then uh, like you said, they played in again. And well, actually, yeah. So this can be the fourth time. So, uh, yeah, I tell you what, I was at that game against Nazareth, and man, they 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 have just had that suffocating forecheck. And I'll tell you, if they get that going Friday night, and I know Amherst is a very very good team. That whole that whole conference has been mm-hmm. really good this year. Yeah. If Hamilton can get that going, I think they got a legit shot of getting into the final. I, I really do. As a matter of fact, I'm going to look it up here. I know the other bracket or the other games, Plattsburgh State. 
And, uh, oh, Gustavus Aldolfus. So, you know, that's – imagine that. Mm-hmm. Now, if Hamilton can get into the final and so can Plattsburgh State, you're going to have an all-New York State final. Pretty yeah, cool. So – all right, so speaking of New York State and the 315 region, uh, the Colgate Raiders men's team, uh, they have advanced to the semifinals of the ECAC tournament. Uh, they they swept St. Lawrence in the two-game quarterfinals. Uh, that was up in St. Lawrence, too. Uh, they play top-seed Quinnipiac in a one-game semifinal this Friday afternoon in Lake Placid at the Herb Brooks Arena. That game starts at 4 o'clock. So how about some numbers on both the, uh, the Raiders and Quinnipiac? So Colgate comes in at 17-15-5 in the season. They are currently unranked, and they come to face a Quinnipiac team who's been a force this season, going 33-3 and and ranking number two in the polls. Now, both these, team, uh, these teams have played twice, and they are 1-1 against each other. Both were scored 3-2. Colgate won their home game and lost their away game. So this is going to be the third matchup, and it's going to be a tough game for both teams. It will be. It will be. But you know what? I'm going to tell you something right now. The The Raiders are one of those teams that just seem to be gelling at the right time. Now, it's hard mm. to believe at this point that they started the season like one and four. And they've just yeah. really, they've really turned it around. Now, see, the thing is, like, they have a pretty young team, right? So with a young team, you're going to get some inconsistency, which is what they battled all year long. But let's not forget, they beat Quinnipiac when they were the number one team in the nation. That was at the end of January. And that was out of the class of 1965 arena. And... I'll tell you right now, Colgate is capable of beating anybody on any given night. They they really are that kind of a team. They're one of those mm. teams that you know what they're they're not the best in the nation in any particular one category, but they're good at everything, and they don't have a, a really glaring weakness in their game. You know, so to me, they they've got a shot. Now the other half of that bracket is Cornell and uh, let's see, uh, just oh Harvard, and guess what? They've already beat Harvard this year. Harvard's ranked, I think mm-hmm. it's ninth. Right, Cornell is tenth. They tied uh, Cornell and they they won in the shootout. So guess what? They're not strangers to these teams for one thing, and two, they've already shown they're capable of either hanging with them or beating them. So you know what? I still think they got a shot. Um, they got to win this tournament to get into the NCAA's. I don't mm. see a path to an at-large form, but hey, you know what? It's going to be interesting, and I I for one think they can do it. Yeah, and they're a team that if you if if you sleep on them in any sort of way, they're going to strike. Yeah. And that's what makes them the most dangerous. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I totally agree. So, like I said, 4 o'clock Friday afternoon at the uh, Herb Brooks Arena. Oh, and by the way, that game's going to be on ESPN+. Plus. Mm. Oh, and there's Jeremy. LGR. Let's go Red Wings. Is that what he's trying to say? Red Wings. <laughs> Is that what he's trying to say? Raiders. <laughs> oh. Oh, all right. I don't know. I, I was trying to figure out what he was saying. It's go gate. So, by the way, hashtag go gate. Got it wrong. Oh, boy. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Now, Jordan, I know you are chomping at the bit to talk about this game, as is the Utica area. All right. So, this Saturday night, the number one Utica Pioneers. Guess who they've got in the NCAAs? Uh, they got the University of New England Nor'easters. Uh, I think we all know the history of these two teams as to what happened last year. Go ahead, give us some numbers first, and then we'll talk about it. So Utica's rolling at a 25-2-1 record. They rolled through their conference, staying undefeated, and they're number one in the polls. They roll in against the UN18, who was who 19-6-2, ranked number 10 in the polls, and a team who knocked them out last year. I said last week that 
depending on who won that game between UNE and Plymouth State, you, either way, you've got a tough team. And UNE is a tough team. And when they roll in, if they if they do what they did to Utica last year, they're going to win. But you're facing a different Utica team this year. Yeah. So I, that, that could be their pitfall. I, I totally agree. I think, too, New England lost some players to graduation, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Uh, they still have Billy Gerard, who was the goaltender last in last year's game that shut the Pioneers out. But I think that you're seeing a much different Pioneers team this year, too. You're seeing a Pioneers team that, that remembers what happened last year, right? And and, and I think that that's going to be the, the – light the fire underneath them, so to speak, too. Mm. Um, you know what? It, you're right. It's it's a matter of who's going to play their game. But I'll tell you, if, if the Pioneers get rolling like they can, it, it could be a very long day for New England. But you know what, though? If you recall, going into to last year – Everybody said the same thing, you know. So, yeah. you know, you, it's just one of those deals. I think we're it's we really have to be careful about a pitfall. Maybe, uh, maybe you know, perhaps what happened last year. Maybe they were looking ahead a little bit. You can darn well mm. guarantee that coaching is <laughs> making sure that that is not yeah. going to happen this year. Uh, I think uh, all focus is certainly on the nor'easters. Uh, but that I, I tell you, that's going to be a great game. Yeah, not only that, you didn't have the herd for that game. The herd was kind of scattered because of giving 103 to opposing fans. So I think you're going to have them more more put together this year in a section near the bench, and that's going to play a major factor. Yeah, I think they're, they're going to have to be over on the other side by the penalty box, though, right? Because if I'm not mistaken, I think 103 is, uh, is actually reserved for the visiting team. It is. So they're either going to have to move over a section or jump over. Right. Now, Jeremy, you know, if I want to pull that back up for me real quick, Dave. So Jeremy said, can't overlook them, can't be over-emotional, got to stay focused and suffocate them. And he's right. You know, he's right. And you know what? It's the little things. <laughs> <laughs> I love he's not here to defend himself. That's great. <laughs> I wonder what just got thrown across the room. <laughs> yep. Can't be anything. <laughs> really, it won't it's be a, anything. It's, a little, it's the little things in the no, game plan. There won't be anything big. Yeah. Details. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Yeah, so, yeah, like I said, that's going to be a great game. 7 o'clock Saturday night at the Odd. I think tickets are still available, so if you can get tickets for this game, get there because <laughs> there's going to be an electric crowd there that night. I can tell you that right now. Oh, yeah, it's always electric. You know, and to sum up to uh, the Colgate Raiders women's team, they got knocked out last weekend um, by uh, Wisconsin. Wisconsin played a great game against them. I was out there for that, too. Uh, very quick, very fast game, and, uh, you know, hats off to Wisconsin. They, they advanced into the Final Four. Uh, but you know what, though? Hats off to the Colgate Raiders women's team, too, because they had one fantastic season. They really did. You know, they were the number three going into that game, mm-hmm. only six losses on the year. So, you really, you know, absolutely no reason to hang their heads whatsoever. All right, buddy, let's wrap this up a little quick AHL wrap-up here. Um, we'll start with the Crunch. Uh, last weekend, the Crunch split a pair of games, losing to Laval 2-1 to in overtime on Friday night, and then they defeated Rochester 4-2 to on Saturday night. Uh, this week, Wednesday night, they are at Providence. Friday night, they're at Bridgeport. And then Saturday night, they're home for the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins, who my wife loves to affectionately call the Tuxedo Chickens. <laughs> Just love it. So. That's great. <laughs> And then, of course, the Utica Comets last weekend, they had a 3-3, three and three, uh, three games and three nights, and they went two for three out of them, so not bad, right? Uh, mm. They played Friday night at home. They beat Belleville 4-3 to three in overtime. Uh, let's see. Then they beat the, well, the Tuxedo Chickens in Wilkes-Barre Scranton 4-1 <laughs> Saturday, and then they lost at Lehigh Valley 5-2 to two on Sunday. So 
you know what? They lost at Lehigh Valley. <laughs> they were on there like the fourth string goaltender, third game in thir- three days. Yeah. I mean, you can't really uh, complain too much about it. And I'll tell you, not surprising that Belleville took them to overtime because Belleville has suddenly got their, their act together. Uh, after floundering through most of the first half of the season, they really seem to be turning it on. And it's like I was talking to Scott earlier. That AHL North outside of the Toronto Marlies who are running away with first place has suddenly gotten airtight. Yeah, and it reminds me of the Metro, how it's it's everybody's competing. Nobody's out of it. Yeah. Yeah, well that's just it. You know, and, and no no one single team, like I said, other than Toronto, is pulling away with it. And you got four available playoff spots and six teams all trying to get in there. Now, the mm. only team that I can see having a real tough go at this point will be Cleveland, but there's still that outside puncher's chance because, you know what, and that's the funny thing about the AHL. You never know what's going to happen with call-ups. You never know mm. with injuries. There's always that, that whole feeling that that carpet can get pulled off from underneath you at any second. So, And that's what makes it so much fun. Mm. Yeah, so, all right. Well, let's see. Dave, we've been at this for over what, almost an hour and a half now, haven't we? Are in sixteen minutes, but who's counting? Hey, you were. Jordan, any closing thoughts on the games coming up this weekend? Not much, other than can't wait to see the atmosphere in Utica this weekend. Oh, it's gonna be crazy! It's gonna be awesome. Yeah. I, I I can't wait for that either. But uh, I can't wait to lose my voice. Yeah, oh, I'm sure you're going to too. So. Yeah. Uh, Dave, you want to pull up that banner one more time there? Complete. You want another banner? Huh? Jeremy still had one more. He, oh, you know? well, he's got, he's got one. <laughs> well, he's got one more little comment. There. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, I just put up uh, Scott's Twitter once again yeah. there for everybody. Yeah, like I said, when you're on Twitter, go to Scott Montesano. That's awesome, right there. It's it's such a fun uh, Twitter page. So, uh, and we want to thank him once again for coming on the show and spending all this time with us because that was a, a real good time. All right, Dave, I think that's going to be it for you. I'm finally going to let you take a break because <laughs> you look like you're tired. I need one. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Well, listen, thank you so much for watching. We really appreciate your, your support. And uh, go to 315hockey.com to check us out every day and also check us out on social media. And please subscribe to this channel because it's going to help us grow. So, like I said, once again, thanks for watching, and we will see you next week.